the podcast that I called in a couple of years ago, When to Cut Bait, I re-listened to it yesterday just to kind of refresh my memory about the whole story and at the time where I was and what the advice that you guys gave me. That gory story, the one we got the voicemail about, was about whether to cut bait or soldier on. We've all been in really difficult moments in our business where we ask ourselves, is this worth it? Should I keep going? And that's the theme of today's episode. Plus the advice that we gave, well, one of us ended up being very wrong. And I'm not going to give you a hint about who it is, but I'm feeling pretty good about my chances. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, Ian, do you remember episode 222? No, you are the only one with that superpower. It was the episode with Kiri Masters that asked about the do-it-yourself lampshade kits. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I do remember that. And I actually spoke with her at DCBKK this year. So yes, now I do remember. Well, for the listeners, Ian, in that episode, Kiri gave us a voicemail message. She was curious about whether or not she should continue on with the business. So let me just play that voicemail from two years ago. Hey guys, my name's Kiri. Big fan of the show, have been for the last year or so. I have a site called ilikethatlamp.com and I teach people how to make their own lamps and lampshades. And I developed a product which is a DIY lampshade kit which has everything that you need to make your own custom drum lampshade. I'm just in listening to your podcast and talking about the challenges that you had with your most recent product business, it made me sort of think about my own products and the challenges that I have sort of come across already being fairly low price point, relatively high cost to ship the product relative to the price point. My sort of creative audience can be also creative in trying to find a lower price alternative. So my question to you is really around Should I cut my losses and get started on the next thing and learn a few lessons from this? Or should I keep pushing on this one? Thank you so much. Love what you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Bye. So do you remember what your advice to Kiri was at the time, Ian? I can guess what it is, but I just went to her site right now and it's still up and running. So hopefully my advice kept the site going. (laughs) If it was bad advice, hopefully she disregarded it. At the time, we gave dramatically different advice. It's like polar opposite. And we're going to play a little bit of that. But I thought it would be interesting to catch up with Kiri and see how the business is going since that episode. At the time, we didn't really get a lot of the backstory. So I started there, Ian. It turns out that when Kiri sent us that voicemail, she was actually working a day job in a really high-powered banking job in New York City. So let's start the story there. I decided at that point in time that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and that in terms of working at a bank, that was the most entrepreneurial kind of role that I could have. And it would give me some skills around selling, which I'd never done before. And 
I would also learn pretty intimately some pretty core business fundamentals around financials too. So I definitely learnt the ins and outs of P&L and income statement and when to tell when a business is in trouble, it's running out of money, the business owners are taking every cent out of the business. (laughs) Wait a second. So you're living in the greatest city in the world. You have a job that people would work for a decade to get the job that you have. Yeah. So how do you have the gall to say, ah, this isn't what I ultimately want? What's motivating you to have that thought? This is going to sound so lame, but I honestly, I started listening to the Lifestyle Business podcast and Pat Flynn, and that was literally what kind of set me on the path was podcasts. So thank you very much. (laughs) The longer you expose yourself to that way of thinking that's a little bit outside of the norm, then the more it starts to become a reality and you start hearing people's stories and they sound just like you or even their situation's a lot harder to deal with and they still manage to make something great. Give me the intro to your company and like what does it do? I started I Like That Lamp in 2013. It is a company that's devoted to helping people make lamps and lampshades from scratch. So I was the first company in the States to produce a DIY lampshade kit which is an all-inclusive kit that allows you to make a custom lampshade using your own fabric. How did you get the idea? There's actually a company in the UK that creates a similar kit. And it kind of blew my mind that in the United States, the most craft-crazy country in the world, this product didn't exist. And so I actually reached out to them and volunteered myself to be a distributor for them in the States. And they said, thanks, but no thanks. We've got something that we're going to do. So I just said, okay. Not if I don't do it first. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually, I mean, my product is quite a bit different to theirs. It's like it uses a different construction technique. It has a different type of branding. It's more expensive. But yeah, it was kind of looking at a product that existed in a different geographical market and bringing it to the States. Were you doing this in the evenings when you got home from your job? Like what did your lifestyle look like? Yeah, so I was working a pretty high-pressure job and doing it nights and weekends. I did a lot of tutorials, like video tutorials and stuff in my apartment. Yeah, when we had orders that came through, my husband would like put on his backpack a backpack and like ride his bike to the post office to mail out the orders. Was there ever any interaction between this business and your job? Like, did anybody at your job know what you were doing in the nights and weekends? Yeah. So like one of the things about working for a massive multinational company like JP Morgan is you have to disclose everything. I started a new job and I had to disclose, okay, I'm starting this company. So they wanted to know how is it going to have the time to do that? I just played down how much it meant to me and how serious it was that I would just do it on the nights and weekends. But I had a pretty flexible job, so I definitely was able to balance more time with the business as things kind of kicked off. Were there any important mindset milestones or sales milestones that got into your head and you were like, whoa, this is going to happen, like I'm going to quit my job? I quit my job well before I was financially ready to. There was a bit of a juncture where... I started to get pretty good at my job and I actually left on a real high note, which was nice, but I just, I couldn't live a lie any longer. That's really what it felt like is that I'd I'd show up for work. I'd do barely what I had to do to stay, you know, employed. 
And then I would be running off to go work on other things. It became very emotionally draining for me to try and keep up that facade. And so what did you do to make ends meet when you left early? I think a lot of people leave early. You would definitely understand that having a product-based business just sucks up cash. I perpetually have no money with this business. And that's because I keep plowing all of the revenue back into new products and marketing and you know, bringing team members on. And so a lot of people with product businesses don't necessarily run their business that way. They prefer to pay themselves first. But for me, I just see like a long-term business and I want to keep reinvesting in that. So I wasn't ready to start paying myself like a full-time salary when I left. So the podcast that I called in a couple of years ago, went to cut bait. I re-listened to it yesterday just to refresh my memory about the whole story and at the time where I was and what the advice that you guys gave me. Okay, boss man, with the magic of technology, I'm going to zoom us back now and play the actual advice that we gave to Kiri and how she responded to it. So do you want to give any caveats before I play this? Or are you comfortable with what's about to happen? Oh, boy. (laughs) Let's play it. Let me ask you on the verdict, Ian. You know, you've heard Kiri's story. You've gone to her site. Given what you know, what would your prescription be? Okay, so it's not it's not so different than what I explained. I think I would push into other avenues. So I would try and DIY like a bunch of things. So I would try and get that price point up. I would try and get that LVC up. So I would try and uh, DIY out a whole room if I could. And there's a couple different reasons for that. One is you've got yourself some options. So if I DIY a lamp, a bedspread, you know, a a slip cover, some shades, all that stuff, then I've got some options, right? So people are coming to the site and I'm seeing that a lot of people are buying the lampshades. No one's buying the slip cover on the sofa. Why is that? You know, so it, it gives me the opportunity to kind of float this business out into the ocean and see what sinks and what floats without killing the whole business. Right now, you've only got one product, right? So I guess the key term there is diversify a little bit. And I know that's that can be a dangerous term, especially when maybe you don't know anything about this business because it's brand new, but I would try a bunch of different things and see if I can get any one of those to catch on this platform. Definitely have a talk with your shipping carrier because what I'm seeing now is a very light box. Dimensionally, it's kind of large, but in my experience, you can ship that stuff for very cheap. Maybe you need to explore knockdown opportunities. So I, I know that these do knock down. You've got the two pieces of metal that go on the top and the bottom of the lampshade and then the fabric in between. Is it possible to have these expand and contract so you can actually ship them flat? Maybe that'll help your shipping costs. You are just, I mean, you are just giving Kiri a lifetime worth of marketing work. I feel like we're on Shark Tank, Ian, where the different investors are like pitching the plan. And you're like, and I want 20% royalty on every single lampshade that you sell. All right. So so look, Kiri, I, I think the boss man has a legitimate point. If you're going to go down the, hey, let's throw more spaghetti against the wall route, I definitely think you have to push down one value chain or another, whether that's marketing or going wholesale or whatever. But I think his idea is awful. So I'm, I'm doing the Shark Tank thing. I'm looking over at you and I'm saying... I can't believe you would go with that guy. That deal's awful. Listen, before you hear Dan's proposition, ten percent, ten percent. You can't hear his prop though. You got to, you got to either take it or leave it. Ten percent. <laughs> Are you serious? Here's what I think. As I soon think as you start, awful, it goes down to five. This is an awful idea. I can't believe that this guy, with all his business experience, wants to tell you to throw more money down the well of bad tidings, what I want to do is say, look, Kiri, you obviously uh, have a lot of passion 
for business in general. And in fact, that's something you really got to take stock of. Is this something you want to do? Has launching this brand, you know, solidified in your mind that that you have the entrepreneurial genes? It looks from what we've seen that you do. So let's take that. That's the valuable part. You got a bunch of ungrateful customers. You got a low margin marketplace. You got tons of competition. I'm just not interested in that. I'm going to look at where is the money. I'm going to go out and inventory this marketplace and say, who's killing it right now who has an innovative business model who has an incredible lifetime value of a customer let's build a business around that let's not continue to throw more good money after bad more good time after bad this is what we talk about often which is look you get to choose in life and in business where you set up your outpost in the entrepreneurial prairie and this just doesn't look that good so you don't really have much going on so why stay there why not move and, and go somewhere else and use everything? Because here's a great part. And, and me and Ian have seen this as we've built out our portfolio of niches is that it gets easier. You know, the second one comes faster and you learn more. Look at what Rob Walling's done. You know, he didn't stick around uh, with earlier products that, you know, really weren't making him money. He took the lessons and applied them to a hungrier marketplace that had more profound problems and delivered a better product faster. To that end, I will refer you on this very podcast episode to Rob Walling's MicroConf talk in 2012, I believe. It was amazing. It was about learning how to fail faster. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's uh, what we're looking for. We're trying to get to a point where we've learned something and we can apply it to our next thing. Do you think? I, do you think I'm wrong? If she wants to invest in that plan, I mean, I don't, I don't really see a plan forward there. Except exactly. For, I'm uh, the destroyer. Except for start over. But yeah, if you want to invest in that, I mean, go ahead. No, I think that you're. Uh, I think that you're right. There's, there's no question that you can make this thing work. Uh, the question you got to ask yourself is, do you want to be harvesting water from a rock for the next five years? <laughs> right. I think you should feel pretty confident, actually, about the advice that you gave. Because what I found out through talking to Kiri is that, you know, at the time she wrote it, sent us the voicemail, she was making only a few sales a week, and now today in present time. The site's doing 10 grand a month. So you must feel pretty good about your soldier on advice. I don't know about that. I think the good thing about advice is you look like a hero if you're right, but then if you're wrong, nobody just tends to talk about it. So the fact that we're having <laughs> Kiri back on this show just validates that my advice was right. Of course it was. Of course it was. Let's hear what Kiri's thoughts are on it. Well, the funny thing is, I actually ended up basically taking both yours and Ian's advice which Ian's advice was, here are a couple of different ways that you can grow it. And your advice was, run for the hills, try something new. <laughs> and I did both of those things. Eventually, I did start another company that's profitable straight away. So I did do that. But then I also kept going with the concept. And I really, really wrestled with it for a good couple of years to try and figure out what kind of company it was. Such a trip to listen back to the episode and listen to some of the comments and suggestions that Ian made because I've done exactly that. I've broadened the assortment and appeal of the product line into like broader home decor category. Hearing both of your advice on that episode, it all did make sense to me. There was this feeling in my gut which was I understand instinctively what Dan is saying that this is difficult. You could go and do anything else. So why don't you try something that's going to give you a faster level of success? But something in my gut said that I wasn't quite done yet. And that was 
stubbornness, naivete, thinking small perhaps. But at the end of the day, I'm, I am really glad that I didn't just quit on that because I wouldn't have learnt everything that I know now about e-commerce and selling on Amazon and how to kind of scale up source products, things like that. All of those things I, I've only learned much later after the episode aired and it gave me a platform to start my new business also. I certainly look at I Like That Lamp, my first business, as my own apprenticeship. I was able to take some of the same benefits from just running with a, quite a small business myself initially and learning some of those same lessons I actually used my first business to stair step into my second. My second is an e-commerce consulting business where we help crowdfunded companies launch their products on Amazon. What's it called? Bobsled Marketing. Say that again. Bobsled Marketing. Bobsled. Yes. Like okay. Like we like, ride with you. Got it. Yeah, give you a push. That business was born directly out of my experience with I Like That Lamp and learning how to sell on Amazon. And obviously, there are plenty of people selling on Amazon that figured it all out themselves. But when you're a small crowdfunded company, like you're going through manufacturing, you've got all these orders to deliver, you don't necessarily have the time or ability to devote yourself to figuring out how Amazon works and how best to launch your products. So my stair step really was going from one business to the next, which is a service business and brings its own challenges and benefits to my understanding of it and how I've applied it to my own life and business is you've got to start with a base level of skills. You have some lessons to learn. Once you get to the top of that first hill, you can see the mountain beyond and what it might take to get there too. And that's not my own analogy. That's someone smarter than me that came up with that analogy. But stair-stepping, I first sort of came around that concept through Taylor's book, The End of Jobs. He mentions Rob Walling, the founder of Drip, taking this approach where he started out with some smaller companies, used those to consolidate his skills and move on to eventually larger and more impactful businesses. One of the things you were mentioning is that you're happy that you didn't cut bait on I Like That Lamp, even though now you have a business that is demanding more of your attention because it's a bigger opportunity. Exactly. What would be really cool is if we could have invited your future self onto that podcast and that you would be like the ringer guest. Be like, we got Kiri from two years later here. <laughs> What were some of the things that you would boil down for Kiri two years ago and tell her like, hey, these two guys, they don't know that much about this. I did it for two years. Here's what I would say. I would say to 2013 era Kiri to think bigger. As a first time entrepreneur, there was a lot of kind of imposter syndrome that I was probably feeling at the time. And I was thinking, this is my hobby that I want to learn something from. I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't see this necessarily as the business that will get me to the point that will pay my rent. Right. And that was a real limiting belief at the time that it wasn't going to be the big company. And you had no reason to think that in retrospect. In retrospect, for sure. Yeah. Once I started joining masterminds and developing relationships with people in my industry, in e-commerce and beyond, that's where things started to turn a corner. I could see what people that were at my same level or a little bit more advanced were doing. And 
that gives you a, a lot more momentum than if you're just kind of reading blogs and listening to podcasts about tactical stuff to do. I think a lot of the success that you had has to do with your attitude of like seeking to grow. So how are you doing that nowadays? In the last couple of years since the episode, I had really kind of thrown spaghetti at the wall. And I'm glad I did because I explored a few different avenues like wholesaling. And then the big question was, which vertical am I in? Am I in lighting and home decor? Or am I in this DIY category? I had to explore a lot of options and see what was going to work just by trial and error. The way forward for this company is to continue expanding the product assortment into different home decor DIY categories. So over the course of the next year, there's going to be a half dozen to a dozen new products that we're going to launch. When you uh, wrote the email to the show and now two years later, you don't have a job. You know, the last time we spoke was on the other side of the planet. So you obviously have a very different lifestyle now. Has it met your expectations in terms of what you had hoped for yourself? Yes, I love what I do. I really do. I love building a team. It's some of the most gratifying work that I've ever done is to give someone a job that they enjoy. Bobsled Marketing, the company where we help people launch their products on Amazon, that has a huge effect on someone's business and you're compiling a monthly report for someone and you can show them, hey, you weren't making any money at all on Amazon when you tried it out yourself and now you're making you know, 10000 a month in your first month. That's a pretty cool feeling that you can also help change someone else's business for the better. So there is definitely a feeling of impact that I have as an entrepreneur that I didn't have before about changing people's personal lives and business lives Based on what you've seen, you know, the kind of progression that you and your peers are making in your network, when you come back to the show two years from now, where would you hope to be? What's the possibilities? Maybe start a third business. (laughs) 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 Just every two years, just add a new business. I think that I feel like with my entrepreneurial life, there are kind of seasons to go through. This next season is about working really, really hard and setting up systems to grow the business independently of me. And so far that has been adding an apprentice to help run the day-to-day of the product business and also just developing really great systems for the service-based company. That takes a lot of work, but once things are going, then you're able to step back and enjoy the lifestyle a little bit more. So I definitely, I don't have the lifestyle that I want right now besides the ability to travel whenever I want. And I'm taking advantage of that, but I'm not able to take as much time off and just relax as I would like to. That's the next step for me, I think, is to bring the lifestyle element back into the mix. You know, you said at the beginning, podcasts were inspiring to you. Are there books or podcasts or movies that you've recently read that have motivated this part of your career? Or are there ones that are just have a lasting effect on you? I'll definitely say that going to DCBKK this year, it was my first year, and that was a pivotal mindset moment for me, actually. Up until that point, I would definitely put myself in the category of still thinking a little bit too small about what the potential is for both companies. While I was at DC BKK, I got so fired up about all these people around me that were doing amazing things. And the more you're surrounded with those people, I think the more you feel like you also deserve success. And that feeling of deserving success in business, I think 
so many entrepreneurs struggle with, whether they admit it or not. Pretty much anyone that I've had a really deep conversation with about entrepreneurship has a feeling of imposter syndrome at any given point in time. And being around others helps you get over that. I think it helps you come to recognize imposter syndrome when it comes up because I don't think it ever really goes away. But at least when you start feeling those feelings of inadequacy or who do you think you are to say that you deserve that thing, at least you recognize it for what it is. When I spoke with Jeff Picaro and Sophia Berra at DCBKK this year, they commented how much their businesses had exploded after they'd been on the TMBA podcast. But I have to say, after the initial episode, I didn't get any lampshade kit orders. <laughs> I was a little disappointed. Very strong lampshade contingent listening to the show. <laughs> That's right. Where are yeah. you people? <laughs> get show <on> yourselves. <laughs> Thanks to Curie for touching base with us and letting us know how things have gone. It's fascinating for me, Ian, you know, this idea of what's happening below the podcast, that there's literally thousands of entrepreneurs meeting each other, growing businesses. It doesn't always show up on the show. So it's kind of cool to see a story, a track along. You know, when you put yourself out there and you ask for feedback on your business, you're always going to get people saying, you know, yes or no or conflicting things to do. But I think it's just the act of opening yourself up to feedback. That's the important thing. And that's when I look at Curious Success, I think some of it has to do with her attitude about opening herself up to criticism. Yeah. And speaking of criticism, I mean, who would have ever thought a DIY site could make any money? So (laughs) number one haters target right there is DIY. So congratulations on that. I think you're right. As we said many times on this show, it's almost 99% mindset and sharing your ideas with people that can help you in your journey and not so much the actual idea, you know, lamps. Not that new of an idea, but the fact that Curie is executing on it every day and getting herself in a position where she can talk with other entrepreneurs and push herself forward, that's important. Well, I think that was a pretty good full house ending, boss man. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate your ability to wrap up the episode there. (laughs) Let's not dole out any more advice before... We're wrong. We're wrong, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Ian, I'll see you next Thursday morning. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.